Welcome to episode 451 of I Am Talk, your weekly fix in all things Iron Man. Team, welcome along to episode four five one of I Am Talk with Coach John Newsom and Bevan James Oz. How you going, mate? Oh, pretty good, Bevan. Another Skype Rooney Roo today. John, John's a busy man, aren't you? I am. I'm putting on a race today, and race day is a little bit stressful. I generally don't get too stressed about things, but race day there is a lot going on. <laughs> a lot. What time's the race? It's a it's an afternoon race, so at the moment it's six forty two in the morning, but the race starts at midday. So it's our regional sort of Canterbury Secondary Schools. Supposed to be triathlon champs, and uh, first supposed time to be, what, what does that mean, Jumbo? Yeah, I've had to cancel the swim. Mm. Race director's worst nightmare that we've got algae in our lake, and uh, it's a real problem. Um, it's not a real problem, you wouldn't even know it's there, but they did some water testing, and it is there. And when did they do the testing? So I found out Thursday afternoon last mm. week, and the race is on Tuesday, so it only gives you a couple of days to work contingency plans, and uh, not a lot of fun doing contingency stuff, but life goes on. Life go- You make it work, don't you, Jumbo? I Am Talk is proudly brought to you by... TrainerRoad.com. TrainerRoad, the great training tool that you can use. Athlinks.com. Social networking for endurance athletes. And extreme endurance. Your lactic buffer and also the patrons of the show. Okay, guys, in this week's show, we've got a bit of news. We've got, uh, we're not going to do age group of the week? Um, no, we'll, so, uh, we'll see how long the news takes. Okay. Um, we're going to interview, but we're going to see, basically we, what's happening is John's, John's limited for time, but we've done a 40-minute interview with a guy called Jess Thomas, who's a pro triathlete who wrote some really good articles about the money that pros make, and so we've got on to talk about that and other things. Um, but I'm, so John's kind of culling the show as we go. So we're doing statistic. We, we always do statistic because oh, it's fantastic, John. Boy, <laughs> it's fantastic, and uh, that will be pretty much be the show. So first of all, we're going to coast, coast to coast first. We had the space coast we, to coast. <laughs> I know it's so no Ironman news, but Peter Colson I think was on the email to me this morning saying what's happened in the coast to coast. There's no news in Australia. Blah blah blah. So we haven't got any Ironman news in terms of results, but. Uh, the reason why I wanted to bring up the Coast to Coast is, A, it's uh, it's actually part of our hot topic of the week this week, but also it's got a little bit of an interesting one for Challenge Wanaka, which is coming up this weekend. So no surprises really in the Coast to Coast. We had uh, Baden Curry take it out, um, and that was no surprise. Uh, but he started doing triathlon this season. Um, but what I would say is a bit of a surprise was we expected him to absolutely crush it and win by you know a ridiculous margin because there was no other sort of uh, you know Richard Usher wasn't there and and Dougal Allen guys who have done well in the past but a guy called Sam Clark really pushed him all the way and he ended up only being you know five and a half minutes behind him and that gap was sort of hovering around that sort of four to five minutes all day which is not a lot in coast to coast because you can have a um, you know if oh, I just got a Reminder in my um, just got a reminder in my calendar, Bevan. Do you know what today is? Wait, um, Chinese New Year. No, wedding anniversary. Oh wow, lucky you had the reminder. <laughs> I don't put things like that in my reminders, just in case. That's a lucky reminder. That is. Yeah, it is. How many? So, that'd be ten years, wouldn't it? No, I think we had a nine, uh, eight or nine was two thousand two thousand six. So okay, next year's the ten. Don't forget the ten. Mm. Do you know what the um? You know how you have all your different things for different years of uh, marriage? You know, like a paper and Oh, rock. see, I don't know that because I'm not married, but okay. Yeah. What is it for nine? 
nine. Was, well, the, this year's one, I looked it up, and uh, Lace. Oh, actually, yeah. yeah. wow. it's going to be a good day. Oh, uh, bugger the kids. That's <laughs> right. <laughs> the race is off. <laughs> the race is off. Anyway, put your uh, video so, on. But, I want to watch it. Put your video on. We've got a video. I'm just talking to John B here. Put your video on. Oh, where's the video? Yeah. Come on, Skype. Where's the video? There. Righty-ho. Um, you'll see my nice, tidy office. Baden Curry took out the race. We'll get back to the more serious matters. But he had a, a battle on his hands. Sam Clark was second. And uh, Trevor Boyce was a distant third about another half an hour back. On the girls' side of things, again, we've got a bit of a triathlon angle here. Simone Mayer um, finished in second place. And she has done very well at Challenge Wanaka. Finished, was it second or third last year? Yeah. Um, but she took a flyer off the start. And one of the things that M, who we have on the show, you know, M, from powercookies.com was really good at she always made sure she got in the the front main bunch with all the guys on the first bike ride and she'd often have minutes on the other girls because they'd stuff around on the first um, two to three k run that they have and Simone did the same thing and she had a five minute lead after a 60k bike ride going into the run Uh Um, but Jess Simpson last year's winner did overhaul that Um, but again uh, so she ended up winning by about 20 minutes so that was this year's Coast to Coast which leads into well, just on Braden, one of the reasons he he did stuff up because I was doing I was doing some work at the race. Uh, his nutrition went very real bad for him in the kayak, so uh-huh. he basically had no nutrition at all, or bugger mm. a couple of gels. So uh, he was like he got out of the kayak and he looked like he was in trouble, to be honest. Mm. Um, but then M came up to me and she goes, "He always looks like he's in trouble." So right. <laughs> I think he's one of those, he's one of those ugly athletes, if you know what I mean. Just like always look like he's kind of pushing it to the limit. So, but yeah, but go on. Good time. And uh, so that leads into Challenge Wanaka. And so Baden Curry, who won that uh, coast-to-coast, he had a fantastic race this year at a half Ironman in New Zealand. Uh, and he was leading, it was at the Tauranga half, he was leading uh, Crowey and Cameron Brown on the second lap of um, of two and uh, ended up fading. But he finished, I think it was second, yeah. um, behind Craig Alexander and Ken and in front of Cameron Brown. So the dude is uh, is going to be the real deal at triathlon, but he's doubling up. So this weekend we have Challenge Wanaka, and so he's going coast to coast on Saturday uh, to Challenge Wanaka on the Sunday following. So had he not done that, I think he would be a real force to be reckoned with, and he may well still be, but he looked pretty spent at the finish. And Did you go to the finish? No, but I saw him on the news, and um, he, did, he looked pretty toasted. Uh, so... And uh, uh, how quickly he can turn that around? He might be one of those remarkable athletes that can do two in one week, but uh, yeah, it's uh, kind of a pity, really, isn't it? But, you know, like obviously he's going to do coast to coast because that's probably where he gets the most branding. But um, mm. but at the end of the day, it would have been really nice to see a guy like him turn up to Challenge Wanaka in peak condition to kind of see, mm. you know, what what how how competitive he could be when he's at his best. So so the field at Challenge Wanaka, you've got Dylan McNeese uh, who has you know just has fantastic racing down there and uh, it's it's going to be an interesting one because if he races like he normally races down there I think he'll uh, you know he'll, he'll run away with it he'll be you know leading into the swim and he'll um, hold clear on the bike and then you know put in his good good steady run but Courtney Ogden's actually ranked above him on Torsten's ratings uh, so he's actually predicted to come in first because Dylan has had a couple of blowouts uh, he didn't do very well at Rote and I think it was Ironman 
it wasn't China, it was somewhere he he didn't do very well in nine man race last year. So he's had a couple of blowouts, but you know, on that course, his last couple of performances have been spectacular. So I think the other interesting yeah, aspect is Braden Curry, and yeah, who knows what he might do. Um, but he can actually swim. Most multi sporters can't swim, um, and he's a fantastic biker, fantastic runner. Um, but the other one who was right up there last year as well is Dougal Allen, who's mm. also a co- uh, coast to coast to multi sporter. And last year, I mean, he got absolutely spanked in the uh, swim. in his swim. So he swam a, a one oh four versus uh, Dylan McNeese, you know, is usually out under fifteen uh, under fifty minutes. So he's losing six last year. Yeah, it's yeah. a massive amount of time, but he will bike and run on par with um, Dylan, if not quicker. So if he's improved his swim, and we don't know, uh, he could be right up there. And then also throw in there, Joel Jameson's on the start list from UK, along with uh, Keegan Williams from New Zealand and the Australian Matt Burton. So it's um, yeah, it's not a you know not top ten kind of guys, but uh, could be an interesting day at the office. Sorry, I'm yawning. A gill side of things. Girl side of things, you should see Gina Crawford uh, absolutely spank it as usual because you've got Simone Mayer who's seated second, but she's obviously doubling up from the coast to coast as well. And most of the other girls there are, you know, not girls that are typically going to challenge Gina. So it could be a fantastic race for, for second and third, but um, you would expect Gina just it's to, a pity to, that Candace to Hammond isn't that. coming back to defend her title. Yeah, I haven't seen her all season yet, so maybe she's injured because uh, she. Don't I don't recall her doing any of the, the half Ironmans in New Zealand, so who knows? We interested like last year Gina was was pretty torn up about the race to be honest. Like after the race I was doing the interviews and stuff and it was pretty clear she was kind of struggling with everything in her in her season and we, we, she was trying to change her running technique at that time and she just didn't have a very good day and she still got second, but you know, she's run the race five times, so I'm sure she wants to come back this year and prove something. So it'll be interesting to see how she goes. Uh, oh, Jumbo? Yeah, no, I was keen just to know what the prize money is at Wanaka versus, say, Ironman New Zealand. I think I do this every year. Um, It's somewhat similar, but what you find with most challenge races is they're often paid... relative to the euro uh so it's like fifty thousand euros and at the moment the the exchange rate you know fluctuates a lot here in new zealand um so first place takes home fourteen and a half thousand uh then it goes nine five four two point two five and so on and so on down to three hundred seventy five bucks for tenth place and uh at the moment that compared to ironman new zealand ironman new zealand pays seventy five thousand uh so it's 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 somewhat similar. I think it's fourteen thousand US for Ironman New Zealand for first place, so it's a couple of grand more. But I think second at at Wanaka is a little bit better than second at Ironman, so it's just a, a slightly different breakdown. So the money is not as quite as good as Ironman New Zealand now, um, but uh, it's com- fairly comparable. And the strength of the field's a little bit weaker typically at Wanaka. And they do pay for team categories as well in Wanaka. It's not a lot. First gets yeah. nine hundred, second gets four fifty, and third gets two ten. And if you want, everybody's wondering what that banging is. My kids have just got up and uh, they're running a muck upstairs. I did actually wonder what the banging was. Yeah, um, that's it. The, gre- the green smoothie's underway, and uh, and that banging with Thomas. He can't. He's just yeah. He's a noisy boy. Um, Ironman have now announced that they've standardised the Ironman competitor rules for 2015 season and updated 2015 competitor rules uh, for 70.3 as well, which will be more aligned with the International Triathlon Union (ITU) and will take effect from the 1st of March in 2015 in Europe, Africa, and the Americas. The rules will roll out in Asia Pacific in between March and July. So it's pretty interesting. They've changed. They've kind of standardised the drafting rules, the time penalties, uh, and the wetsuit temperature cutoffs. 
Yeah, it is interesting because what for, for you guys that haven't raced abroad, it does change a lot from country to country. So if you're racing in New Zealand, you know, all races are typically run under the rules by Triathlon New Zealand, which are usually aligned with uh, ITU. If you race in Germany, you're going to get another set of rules that are that, are, that might be slightly different. So uh, it's a good move, um, but at the same time, I wonder how it's going to work worldwide, whether they are just going to have their Ironman rules, but some countries stipulate that if you're putting a triathlon on, you have to run it under that national um, the, the rules of that uh, you know, the the governing body of that country. So I guess I figured all that out. Um, but I think it's a, it's a great move that you know you're going to go to race and you know what the distance is for drafting. Um, because I know an, a very good instance that was done at uh, Auckland, Auckland seventy point three, and I know someone who got two drafting penalties and. The first one, I don't know if I said this on the show last week. Uh, the first one, he said, "Yeah, it was probably fair enough. Um, wasn't uh, wasn't wasn't sucking wheel, but it probably was inside the draft zone." Second one, uh, he got a penalty, and then he comes into the draft tent and goes, "What the hell? This is just bloody ridiculous. There's no way I was within seven meters of the person in front of me." And they said, "Yeah, but the ruling's ten meters here." And I was like, ah. <laughs> Okay, maybe I was inside the team, but I wasn't inside seven. And so you have that confusion. And from a coaching point of view, I, I often don't know. I say to people, look, you just got to check the rules. I don't know if it's 10 meters front wheel to front wheel, if it's 10 meters from back wheel to front wheel. Um, so the, the ruling that Iron Man have made is the draft zone is 10 meters long, measured from the leading edge of the front wheel to the uh, extending to the back of the bike. So it's basically five bike lengths between, uh, between bikes. And for for pros, it's going to be twelve, 12 meters. meters long. And and so the age groupers have twenty seconds to get through the zone. The pros have twenty five seconds to get through the zone. Um, time penalties: you get three cards. You get a yellow card, stop and go penalty. You get a blue card, five minute time penalty. Is that longer? No, so so the, the, there's two different um, cards that they'll be issuing. So they've got the race referee cards. Um, yeah, and first penalty is stop go. Second one is five minutes, and then a DQ. So those are for random things and I'm not going to reel them off I don't know them off the top of my head but probably the more interesting ones are the time penalties which is what your drafting penalties would be didn't you get one in Kona did you get five minutes in Kona nobody even knew what the hell was going on there but I think it was supposed to be four minutes Uh, it it seems a little bit longer yeah, so first penalty uh, for drafting looks like it'll be five minutes then another five minutes if you get another one and then you DQ'd Okay, so and then they've also got the change in the wetsuit cutoff temperatures. Mm. Um, but yeah, it's not going to affect many of us. Okay, challenge news, Jombo. So, challenge have set their purses for all the American races. And it's interesting, they're paying out in the European dollar. Yeah, I think they just, yeah, they, they always seem to do that. As I said, I think, you know, Challenge Wanaka is. Uh, it's based off fifty thousand euros, and that's pretty much what they're doing in America as well. So for lot for long course races, uh, they'll be paying out fifty thousand euro, and at short course races, they'll be paying uh, out at twenty five thousand euros. So this is different to WTC. WTC do have their you know standardised set of minimum prize money at races. Um, and it's less than that at some races. It's more than that at other races. So as I said, in New Zealand, it's $75,000 for Ironman New Zealand. At some Ironman races in the States now, uh, it was 25000 And some Ironman races, there's not going to be any pro- prize money at all. Uh, so, yeah, it's just 
just nice and simple and nice and clear that you know when you're going to any challenge race um, that it's going to be 50,000 or 25,000 for a um, half. So good move. And there's there's loads of races in the States now. You know, now that they've taken over the, the rev races, um, yeah, they've got a lot of haven't they? 2, 4, 6, 8, 10, 12, 14, 15, I don't know, there's about 15 races there in North and South America. So mate, they're making their inroads into the States and good on them. Um, Tim Hemming sent through an email and he's just saying, not sure if you've mentioned it, but we've been talking a lot about the all-world athlete and WCT, um, WTC's, sorry, yeah, W. WTC's ranking system, and we're kind of saying, well, what's the point? We are, he's, Tim Hemi sent through an email just saying, not sure if you've mentioned about Challenger Runs, a league table, which seems to simply collate points for every race someone competes. Straightforward, uh, not on times. The two top people have completed 22 races. So they have a table as well, and to be honest, it does seem a bit pointless to I, me. I, I, and, and they don't promote it. Yeah, you know, like WTC obviously promote the all world athlete, but <laughs> I had a look at this. I thought this is ridiculous. Yeah. So challenge, I think you're best off to lose it because it's basically how many finishes you've done in challenge races. Yeah. So I guess for some people it's an interesting stat, but you know, Belinda, uh, Luke Dra- Luke Dragster is currently ranked two four. Fifth and Blinda Granger is sixth because Luke's done twenty races and Blinda's done seventeen. It's just it's just all time. So it's basically the person who's done the most challenge races. Yeah, because it seems to be all time because Luke Drake's last race is twenty thirteen. So I'm not not quite sure what they're trying to achieve out of that, but it's pretty much nothing. Um, and then Tim just had another comment here around the rankings. Got like most, I cannot see the merit of Ironman's ranking system, given the expensive triathlon. A one-off competition that has to be the most inclusive and fairest way to establish the world's best. The ominous thing is that it takes WTC a step closer to having a ranking system to qualify for Kona instead of slots at races. Then people could be looking at more than one Ironman start to qualify in extra dollars. From a private equity standpoint, that's probably optimal. From a health uh, governance point of view. Should people really be encouraged to race full Ironman distance races more than once every 12 months? I'd be surprised if we go down the path of, uh, of having to do, to do points to qualify. I think but, but you, can see, you can see his point here. Like, mm. you know, private equity firm wants to get as much profit. What if they were to say you've got to get to Kona? It's, it's, it isn't all right. You've got to use the AWA system. I wouldn't be at all surprised if they said if you're – I don't know, maybe if you're in the top three of the AWA at the end of the year, maybe you get into the kind of the next year. I wouldn't be surprised if they did something like that, but I'd be very surprised if they made it mandatory that you had to be ranked higher to get into to get into Kona. What if they went like this? What if they went, um, it was just the top 50 in the AWA get through? I, I, I can't imagine them ever get doing that, but hypothetically they could. But because, I be you know, if we're looking if at them doing their return on investment, you know, the, you know, it's going to encourage people to race more, and it means that's going to be the goal of getting. So, for them, they'll get more money out of people doing that system than just having a one-off, you know, do graded a race but system. I think it would kill Kona because then you just end up with a joke of a field. So I don't think I think Kona is still their jewel in the crown. As I said, I wouldn't be surprised if they maybe made some incentive there, but I'd, I'd be awfully surprised. But hey, Bevan, from time to time, I do get surprised. Well, it's just like yeah, I get what you're saying. You're saying, well, the age group race. Wouldn't like, be nobody strong. from New Zealand, it'd be very difficult. You know, nobody from New Zealand would almost qualify. Mm. Um, and you'd have similar people in Australia. So I think there'd be such an uproar that. Oh, a massive uproar. <laughs> yeah, I, I can't imagine them doing it. Um, one, I, I think there's a really simple way to fix this whole AWA thing. Uh, you simply go 
I don't know if a double points is right, but you just make Kona significantly heavily weighted and you maybe make your regional championships more heavily weighted and then problem solved. It's still not going to be a perfect, you're still not going to get the exact number one athletes in the world, but as long as you weight your main championship and your regional championships more heavily, then I, th- I think you know, I think this thing would sort itself out to, to, and, and make it as, uh, as valid as it can be, a ranking system can be. So there's my two cents. Okay, um, John Boy Hyvie is now dropping out of uh, the ICU. Yeah, and it was interesting uh, interview interview that was coming up later today with Jesse Thomas. Um, he was talking about Des Moines. Uh, I think that was where it's based. A new bike company is based out of there with um, TJ Tolkson. So high V for those guys if you can't remember. Massive ITU race, massive prize money, uh, and for a long time it was part of the ITU series. Um, then it went sort of standalone and is actually part of WTC series now. So they're fifty one fifty races, uh, and that was the whole reason. You know, people go into the fifty one fifty for the pros they basically want to qualify for high V and you got a guaranteed prize check and you know this year it was 100,000 for first and it pays down to 30th deep so you get in and you'll get some prize money um, but they're dropping out and so they've obviously done their dash and uh, yeah we so often see this with the, the big money races you know we've seen Abu Dhabi and, and, and you know other ones that come in with bells and whistles and, and promises of massive prize money, which they have delivered on, and got they've done some great things for the sport, and there's been some awesome racing, but they are dropping out. And so, uh, wait, the race is actually going away. Uh, don't know if the race is disappearing, but it's, it certainly sounded like the the, the the prize money, you know, the big prize money is dropping out in terms of the sponsorship. Okay, so it will be much lesser race now. If it's a race, it'll be much lesser. Yeah, okay. Uh, in case you missed out, oh, sorry, ITW are going giraffe legal for age group in their sprint distance races. ITUW, what's that? International Triathlon. International Triathlon. I'm, I'm struggling with letters today for some reason. <laughs> <laughs> so we had this news. We just had a, a, an email through from Neil Scholes um, from guys in the UK sort of wondering how they're going to cope with this. But sprint distance at ITU Worlds is going draft legal. And in essence, you go, that's not that big a, you know, it's, it's kind of makes sense. But from a race director's point of view, it's actually really challenging because that means you really need to have completely closed roads for draft legal races to make them safe. Um, when you're doing non-drafting races, you know, you can still get away with having some traffic on the course. But as soon as you go draft legal, it's pretty much got to be closed roads, which creates some real nightmares in terms of trying to have qualifying races and what have you. So interesting times ahead. Sponsor. Oh, it's exciting times, Bevan. Go on. We had, we had Trainer Road on the show last week. We had uh, good old Jonathan. And one of the things you've got on Trainer Road is they've got a thing called Teams. And we have an IM Talk team that we started up. Last time um, Trainer Road were on board. And what it basically means is if you join up to the team, then you can access some additional workouts. And we're also going to be doing a little bit of a, a challenge coming up. So, um, what basically happens if you go into Trainer Road and you sign up? You know they've got thousands of different workouts that you can do. They've also got the training plans that we talked about last week, which are fantastic. Um, but you can also have your, your teams in there. So we've got our IM Talk team. You can be part of multiple different teams. You can create your own team for your club if you're a coach. You can create your own little coaching team. And then what's kind of cool is you can create workouts they've got this workout creator which is really easy to create workouts and then you can share them with your team so if you guys join up to the iron talk team 
We've got a bunch of workouts in there that um, I've created and I've done myself, um, and you can you can give them a crack. And that's something we're going to a little bit of a tease. We're going to do something around this in the next uh, next few weeks. But you can go on there. I've got a bunch of workouts that I do that I give to my athletes. A lot of them are FTP based workouts. They were the ones that I was doing in the lead up to to Kona. And so then you can just get on there, and it's a fully structured workout. And if you've got a kicker or a compy trainer, it'll do all the resistance for you based on your percentage of FTP. Um, if you're on a, a standard trainer with a power meter, then it'll, you know, the numbers will flash up in front of you and, uh, and you've got to try to hit them as close as you can. And if you don't have a power meter, then you can work out your, your virtual power. Um, so, yeah, so we, we go on there and I've got um, you know, like seven by five minutes FTP work. You've got um, uh, a variety of different workouts. We've got our little, um, little challenge tests we had where you try to go as uh, sort of a step test or you go as hard as you can for 100 or you go 125 percent of ftp for as long as you can so yeah bunch of workouts on there it's really simple you just uh sign up to train road get on there and you just uh go into the team section and just find the i am talk team i think we've got about 250 people in there at the moment but we want to see that number go through the roof so if you're on it if you're in winter and you're struggling a bit you need a little bit of motivation these workouts are awesome Good times. Okay, guys, well, this week's uh, trainerbroad.com is the place to go. Make sure you check it out. Get on it. It's a really great training tool. Rock and roll. I need to um, Discussion of the week. So last week's discussion of the week was if you were to design the most amazing point-to-point iron distance race anywhere in the world, where would you go to do that? What would be the course that you would design in doing that? And, uh, and, and also sharing uh, some of the other ones around there because we got a question in around that, you know, are there many point-to-point races in in the world? And uh, already hi. Um, Lucy, yeah, Lucy, Lucy Francis was saying uh, the Arc to Arc. It's not really a traditional triathlon, but you start in London and you go all the way through to Paris. Good old Rob Aruda's got – how do you say his last name? Aruda? Oh, Aruda. Because that's yeah. a great name. <laughs> <laughs> Ladies, Aruda. Anyway, um, <laughs> did you not get that? Depends what pronunciation. Yeah, you I'm, I'm, he may have changed it. Starts in my house and ends at the bar and with a last name like that. I wonder where it ends up completely. <laughs> uh, Jeff Curry was saying Kelpman's po- uh, is point to point and it's epic. And Matt Rides was saying obviously Norseman is just sort of the iconic one. Um, good old Sid's Poppy Fields. He's got City to Summer ends and Ben Nevis, I think. Bucket list race. Not sure I would morph into a BMX on that one, though. Uh, Luke Goodwin says Beach to Battleship in uh, NC, I guess it's North Carolina and USA, is point to point and pretty cool race. Sam, Sam, I mean, sorry, Brett Summit has got a, isn't Frankfurt Ironman? Frankston. Oh, Frankston uh, in Melbourne, no. but then Stuart Moore came back and said one swim loop, two bike loop, and then a point to point run. Yeah, uh, Cameron Griffiths was having a suggestion Taupo to Napier so you'd swim in Lake Taupo and you'd make your way across to Napier which is on the east coast of uh, the North Island of New Zealand Damon Brewer's got centre of London to Stonehenge by dusk that would be kind of cool wouldn't it that would actually be awesome wouldn't it I just wouldn't want to swim in London I mean I know they, they swim in the Thames and stuff there but it doesn't but that'd doesn't. be awesome because imagine that like you start in London which is a beautiful city have this really cool swim right out of London, head to Stonehenge, and that'd be pretty cool. Don't about riding in London. <laughs> oh, 
oh, for a race, you know, like not, not on every day. Uh, Jonas Fl- Flander said uh, the Swiss man extreme try. We have um, had a look at that a couple of times. That looked like a pretty funky race, very, very Norse man-like. Uh, Morden Paulson's got Challenge Denmark in uh, AKA Legoland. Mm, not so sure what, about that. It goes into Legoland? Or? Uh, no, it starts in Legoland. I, oh. my, my recollections of that one is uh, it's a bit like rote. You had split transitions, so you do start and finish in different areas, but I don't think it's sort of start in one point and finish you know, 220 k's around uh, the other direction. Sonia Pippen, um, she's going to do Switzerland race. Mark LaRoche from Christchurch, he said, swim around Tolaga Bay Wharf, bike to Fongara, Whale Rider. I haven't seen, yeah, have you seen Whale Rider Bevan? Yeah, it's a great film. Have you seen it? No, and then run around oh, the coast. Oh, you have to watch Whale Rider. So this is very much sort of all around the eastern tip of the North Island of New Zealand. So haven't done a lot of stuff around there, but Mark obviously has. Um, Ryan Bray, a few places come to mind, as long as the swim is very high as the finish at sea levels. Okay, that's yeah. cool. And what else we got? M, good old M from M's Power Cookie, said space coast-to-coast multi-sport race in New Zealand. Add the swim, you're in there, M, you're in there. Yeah. And then yeah. Uh, David Doherty's got Yellowstone National Park in the USA. John, where would you go? Well, I came up with one, and where did I put it? Right, so here's my one. You would swim in the Marlborough Sounds, which is a fantastic part of New Zealand, and they actually had a half Ironman up there a couple of weeks ago, but just beautiful, beautiful part of the country. And then you'd bike from wherever you finish a swim, uh, which would be probably be somewhere around Picton, and you'd finish in Kaiteriteri, which is my holiday spot, and that would be a really nice ride. You've got a mixture of going along the waterfront, you have some nice climbs and just be an awesome go through some vineyards and stuff. So it'd be a very cool ride. And then the run would be the Able Tasman oh. uh, run from Kaiteri and you finish in Tochinui, have a party in Tochinui and then you get the boat back. Or you might even finish an hour. Jumbo, I didn't even see yours and that's what I thought. <laughs> and I'm not even joking you. I did, that, that would be an amazing race. Oh, that would be phenomenal because to be honest, to me, Able Tasman is the most beautiful run in the world. Um, yeah. I did that race a few years ago, and it is just amazing. Um, like it's it's just paradise, and um, I wasn't quite sure of what the bike would be. Um, the bike would be great. You'd see, so you basically, you, you come through from Picton, and you've got a couple of decent climbs, and then you'd you'd bike past Nelson, and logistically, it wouldn't actually be too bad um you got good roads through there and then you hook onto the uh the upper Mutri trail where you would have done the tour de vineyards and you yep. sort of go through, oh, wind through there. and then you roll into kaiteri a couple of little kickers to to finish you off and uh and then you'd have 10k on the the road possibly uh and then you'd have 32k on the track you actually finish an aura which is a nice little restaurant and stuff there it'd be awesome oh that would be that would be, seriously nothing can beat that john It'd be, there'd be zero spectators on the run, uh, and logistically, it would, you know, point-to-point races would be very difficult to do, but it would be a cool one. It very much would be. Okay, we've got another. We've got an email through from Dunks here. This is Dun- Duncan Penfold, and he's just got. Um, I thought I should uh, pay my uh, for my question, so he's going to do patronage, which we love. Love your work. Um, so my question: Where can I go to watch races online? We all know about YouTube, but 
Is there another site with lots of houses, lots of races? ITU, Challenge, Rev3, Ironman, it doesn't matter. Just something to keep motivated while I'm on the trainer. So the question this week is, do you have places other than YouTube or maybe even just great YouTube channels? Yeah. You know, that, that you know, like I know you do, John. I know you watch yep. a lot of races when you're doing the trainer that you can share with the others, you know, so you all have somewhere to go when you're training. Where do you go? Mainly YouTube? Uh, you mainly YouTube and also do a bit of ITU. So the ITU site's fantastic, um, but we'll maybe go over that. But yeah, basically share all your, you know, your cool sources for you know not just two minute clips. You know that's where the Ironman website really falls down. You go on there and there's a bunch of two minute clips. Um, you know for for good length, you know uh, stuff to watch while you're on the trainers. So not movies. Let's keep it sports specific um, stuff that you can watch on the trainers. And also just if if you are going to go YouTube, maybe like what's a channel that's worth following? So there might be a mm. channel that's really great uh, that's worth following. Uh, are we going to do age group of the week? Let's uh, let's crank out the age group of the week. Okay, one, two, three, four. Age group of, of the week. Okay, Kevin Sheen sent through this one. Bevan and John, I want to nominate not just one, but a group of six of my friends for age group of the week. All of them were on the start line at Taupo, oh, sorry, Tahoe, Tahoe last weekend. My wife and I you were probably realised this, this email was ago. sent through in September last year. We're working through them. And we love keep the age group is coming. We and, love them. And this one is one that was this one was cancelled, wasn't it? Yes, Tahoe, the swim was cancelled. The whole race was cancelled. Oh, that's right. Okay, my wife and I were there speculating at the swim start. That was with the fire, wasn't it? It was. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, When they made the announcement, and although there were certainly bigger tragedies in the world for sure, I can tell you how much it cut into the athletes that only had sacrificed not only – sorry, uh, athletes – that had not only sacrificed so much to be there at the start line, but had ridden a roller coaster ride of emotions in the preceding week, watching the smoke rolling in and out, and not knowing whether they would race. Ironman is tough enough without that kind of stress and letdown. But that's not why I'm nominating them, because the story has a happy ending for at least the six of my friends who were not going to be let down by that day. These six athletes picked themselves up and took advantage of the opportunity put forth by WTC to race at Ironman Chattanooga the very next weekend. When you think of physical, mental, financial and logistical hurdles they had to overcome just to get to that line, it's amazing to me. On top of that, every one of them put on a solid performance and were... Uh, even first timers at that distance. So I would like to nominate. Okay, here we go, John. But here we go. Here we go. Here I we think go. this is a piss take email because Kevin Sheen has given us six cracking names. Okay, to try you go because I have no hope of names. Where you go, John? Okay, let's. Oh, the first one I can do. Tony Piscopi. Well, I reckon maybe Oki Oki Koa. Yeah. Amy Moza Romero. When you get the next one. I have Um. Palavi, Palavi. Uh, okay, pa, pa, Pavi. Yeah, uh, Hokola, Atwood. Yeah, maybe. Yeah, <laughs> Stina Rosa. Uh, Linu Castanina. Castanega. Castanega. Yeah. Yeah. So it's L I I N U. Linu. Linu, Linu. His age groups the week. So Tony Piscopi, Oki Koa, Amy Mossa Romero. Pavi Holkola Atwood, Stina Rossi, and Lin- Lin- Linu Castaneda. 
Uh, this is well. I have to say, guys. they get age group of the week for their effort. You know, you know what? You go along to a race, it gets cancelled. Heartbreaking. Then to kind of pack up and go, you know what? We're going to make it work the next weekend. As you're saying, logistically, that's a big thing. You know, oh, work. You're getting off work. The financial commitment. The, you know, mm. all the kind of stress that would come around that. But also, you win the strangest group of friends with names in the world competition <laughs> as well. So well done on that front team. You're bloody awesome. Nice work, you guys. So you guys are our age, age groupers group of the week. week. Okay, and he's also got love the show. Best of luck with John and Kona. How'd you go in the Kona, Jumbo? It's great. It sounds like you're informed. I was informed. Yeah. Just keep keep in the uh, isolation booth that keeps the kids from sneezing on you. Yeah. I did that too. Yeah. I was healthy. Didn't work. Yeah. I get three, two, one. Statistic. It's fantastic. Okay, what's happening, Jumbo? Oh, I'll be a quick stat this week uh, because we've got Challenge Wanaka coming up and I was uh, – this is kind of statistic plus sponsor because uh, you go onto the Challenge Wanaka website and they've got all the results up there, which is fantastic. But what happened with Challenge Wanaka is the first time they held the race was was 2007 when I raced and then the race management changed. So a guy called Matt Tuck ran it the first year and then basically Victoria took it over the second year and has run it uh, as a separate company since then. So the, the, the stat for this week It's great is, stat because there's someone I know is in this. You know. Yeah. In t- 2007 was the first Challenge Wanaka. 63 was the number of finishes at the first ever now, Challenge Now on that front, Jombo, Oh, it didn't have the seventy point three. It didn't have the half distance then, did it? No. So it was just. No. So it was actually quite a small race, wasn't it? Yeah, yeah. So sixty-three. They did have teams as well, and they did have more starters than that. I, I, I seem to recall they had maybe a hundred and twenty odd starters um, plus some teams. So it was slightly bigger. They did a fantastic job. It was a great race. Yeah. Really well nice and and went really well. So we had a lot of epic campers doing the race, and they just pulled out. Um, but uh, I think I did the bike. Yeah. I think I did the swim bike. Yeah. No, I don't think I did it. Oh, did I? Yeah, I think I did. Yeah. Yeah. So 63 was this week's stat. Number of people at first challenge Wanaka. I don't know how many they've got this weekend, but it's a good size race now. Um, so, you know, and they've got the half, the full. You really feel like it's a it's a proper proper event. You don't John Newsom like came through place, mate. I did. But what my, reason, my rationale sort of here is, is t- tying in Statstastic with Athlinks because Athlinks fantastic place that it is. But, you know, um, so that the first they haven't got in Victoria. If you're listening, you need to to get it up there because 2007 was a very important year. Uh, <laughs> so they don't obviously don't have the results for 2007. They weren't running the race then, uh, and it was a separate guy uh, who who ran it. But thankfully, I got the results uploaded onto Athlinks. Um, so you can take credit for this. Yeah, to make sure it was uploaded, and so now you can still go onto Athlinks and all the year's results are there. So I can still claim that uh, 2007 results. So really important that you do this, guys, because races are coming and going. And, you know, what we're seeing in the States and, and across Europe is, you know, WTC taking over races, Challenge taking over races as well. Those websites will disappear and, and with it were, were your results. Yeah. And so as long as everything's up on Athlinks, then you can keep all your results in one place and you're able to go back and reflect on those races and sort of see what your, your personal bests were and so on um, because, yeah, I just think we're going to see so many more races drying up over the next few years and uh, and the stronger, bigger races all survive. Um, same deal with club races. You know, clubs come and go and if their results or their website just disappears, then as does your results. So make sure you get it up there on athlinks.com. And that's the thing. that Once you've had a race team come in, make sure you, you, you know, 
put your result on Athlinks because as John says, who knows what will happen in the future, but you know Athlinks will have it there for you. Just looking at the results of this race, it's pretty interesting. Is it Luke Drake? So this is the one that Pete Verbusek wore gloves yeah. and he got disqualified. He actually won the race, but he got disqualified because he wore webbed gloves, which admittedly was a little bit confusing, wasn't it? Yeah, it was. It was. Yeah, but uh, and unfortunately, he, he lost, which meant, uh, luckily, Jomo got third place in, didn't you? Yeah, look at that run spot, 302, yeah, 10. Look at that. That's not bad because it's a hard course. I think it was a little short that, that year, but I still no, I still ran pretty well. Never sure. Luke, Luke Dragster only took two minutes out of me, and I only took a minute out of Justin Granger, only took a minute out of me. Got a bit punished on the bike. I rode 509 versus Justin and uh, Luke rode five hours and 501. You were, 51 you were only swim. 30 back in those days, mate. Nine oh five fifty eight. So Cummings got f- like fifth man, fourth man. Yeah, a fifth man. Yeah. Belinda yeah. Granger took it out. Karen Balance. Yeah. What's Who she doing nowadays? Karen Balance. She's a podiatrist. Oh, is she? Mm. She's a good. She was our first ever big interview on the show, wasn't she? And, and Rob, Richard Kingsford, Andrew Robertson, Bathlinks members, Mark Howard, Graham McDonald, Celia Kirch. Yeah. Good old David, David Somerville. Somerville, John Smart. Good old Werner Stebler. That's a great name. <laughs> And good old Garth Barfoot was there as well. Oh, he wasn't last. So there you go. Yeah. Okay, so that's ethlinks.com, uh, guys. Check, check, check it out. Make sure you do it every time you race because you'll regret it if you don't in the future. Jombo, we've got a really good interview coming up with a guy called... Jesse Thomas. Jesse Thomas. Okay, so let's check that in right now. And guys, just as you're going through this interview, there is a few cutouts in there. Bevan's going to have no, to No, I'm going to try to edit them. I've, I've written the edit times them out. And oh. there's just, yeah, there's a few, few little times where it goes a bit funny, but all in all, there's some bloody good content. Okay, here is Jesse. Okay, guys, uh, on today's show, we're going to be, um, we've got a special guest on. We're going to be talking about smashing half Ironman races or 70.3s around the world, bit of the old money and also a bit of nutrition as well. We've got Jesse Thomas on the show, so welcome along to the show, Jesse. Hey, thanks a lot for having me, you guys. Um, what prompted uh, this um, interview was an article we've seen, and uh, a few articles by yourself pop up on. Uh, the triathlete magazine online, and we'll discuss that in a moment. But uh, a lot of people probably don't know too much about of you about you because you, you know, you hit the seventy point three in the half Ironman circuit, and a lot of people are obsessed with Ironman and don't even, you know, uh, look at half Ironman results. So Jesse's won Wildflower multiple times. He's uh, been on the podium and won a bunch of other seventy point three races around the world. Um, but maybe tell us a bit about your background, Jesse, because I know you were, you know, initially a runner. Yeah, yeah. So I was a runner in high school and in college I went to uh, Stanford where I ran on the track and cross-country team there and was kind of ended up being a steeplechase specialist. I don't know how familiar mm, you guys yeah. are with track. But yeah, so I was the kind of those crazy guys to jumping over the barriers yeah. uh, into the water. Um, and uh, yeah, and then, uh, you know, kind of had Olympic aspirations in that sport. Um, but, you know, had an injury kind of like right at the end of my collegiate career, had a great collegiate career, but kind of really tough to, I guess maybe similar to triathlon, very tough to bridge that gap from collegiate runner to professional runner, unless you're really on a roll, um, you know, just tough to make ends meet financially. So after I kind of hit, hurt myself, um, started, ended up getting into a startup. I was, a, I did a bachelor's and master's in mechanical engineering, Started a company in San Francisco, t- kind of turned into a business guy for about, oh, honestly, like six years. Did, went back, did an MBA, and then it was after that that I started my professional triathlon career at about 30. 
in terms of um, athletics, you know, we're, we're going to talk about making a living as a pro triathlete. Yeah. But, um, I mean, is is it somewhat similar to triathlon? Like, can you actually make? I mean, you see the Kenyans making, you know, winning races, and I know they make good money and stuff. Mm-hmm. But for for say, say if you were of somewhat <clears throat> similar standard in athletics, you know, is it very easy to make money? No, it's it's difficult. It, I, I think it's very similar, actually, um, in that it's uh, it's it's a very very steep curve, right? So the top guys in each event let's say in the country and certainly in the world. But if you're just looking at like us, uh, you know, the top few guys, probably I would say three to five guys in each event, uh, make a good living. And the, the top couple guys make a very, very good living more. I would say more, my guess is more than any <clears throat> triathlete makes. Yeah, yeah. Um, and, uh, but then, uh, you know, but then you get down to where you're a guy like, you know, similar to where I was in college, you know, sixth, seventh, eighth, tenth in the country. And, you know, you're scraping by just hoping a shoe company will pay you five grand and give you free share, free shoes, you know? <laughs> What's it like, you know, in America? Because obviously the college system is so great and um, you've got this very supportive kind of, you know, uh, really wicked environment while you're at college. What happens once yeah. athletes leave college? It's very tough. That's what I was talking about. You, you have to be on a roll, right? So unless – so – the other the other thing about track and field is that it's more uh, the majority of your income comes from one sponsor being a shoe contract, right? That's a little bit different than in triathlon. You contracts. My experience have been that your con- your main contracts are kind of spread across bike and and shoes and maybe nutrition and everything else. But really, in track and field, it's basically your shoe contract, and that's that's like ninety percent of your income. Mm. And um, and so if you don't have like – if you aren't an NCAA champion, uh, you know, uh, basically if you aren't an NCAA champion coming out of college, uh, then you're probably not going to get like a great offer, uh, you know, a, a living wage or more offer from a shoe company. And so you really have to be on a roll. Like I said, I was – you know, I was, uh, I was an All-American, but I was new to the steeplechase and I was getting a lot better, but – <clears throat> nobody was going to pay me any money to run post collegiately. Whereas my wife, uh, Lauren, who was a, a multiple time NCAA champion in the 5k, she got a great deal, uh, from Nike right off the bat, you know, as the day that she was eligible, basically, nice. you know? So, yeah. so obviously when you, you decide to get into triathlon, um, you know, clearly you, you would have known you're obviously a very good runner, especially relative to triathletes. Um, what was the, the motivation in terms – I know initially you did a bit of age group stuff, but what were yeah. you sort of thinking, just getting into shape or what was the – Yeah, yeah. honestly, part of it was just getting into shape. Um, uh, after doing my MBA, you know, I was like so – I gained like 20-plus pounds – and was just like, you know, I mean, MBA, I mean, it's just like, you know, you're, you're quote unquote, like networking, right. Which basically just means you're drinking a lot of beer, you know, <laughs> five times a week. And, um, and so, so yeah, you know, coming off of that, I just, uh, I had, like I said, I had started a company before business school and then I was, I had was working on a startup, another company during business school and had just been working just hard nonstop for about six years, you know, and, uh, Lauren was going to go race in Europe. And I just decided the economy was tanking. 
I just decided, you know, before I go take a job somewhere, like I'm just going to take a couple months to just chill and just figure out what I want to do. Over to Europe or racing and started riding my bike and uh, running and swimming and um and, you know, and I just was like, you know, if I'm not, if I'm going to have trouble finding a good job anyway, as an MBA, then, you know, I may as well not make any money doing triathlon, <laughs> you know? And so, uh, I just gave myself six months. I said, you know, I'm going to go, I'm going to train hard for six months. I'll consult on the side and make some money. Uh, you know, I had, had some good relationships from business people that allowed me to make, you know, good money. And, uh, and I gave my, like I said, I gave myself that six months, and then, I, and then it was about five months later. I went to escape from Alcatraz and finished seventh in the pro field as an as an amateur, and that was kind of when I, that was kind of my big breakthrough to me myself, being like, hey, you know, I could probably race real well if I dedicated myself to this. So, so yeah, so you, the the aviators um, have made you famous, and and that sort of became, uh, you know. When we see any pictures of you, I always have this image of you: these aviators in some very bright tri suits. So was that was that a key sort of moment for you? I think it, I think it was, but it wasn't intentional. I guess is is kind of like the quick story of it. I just I just happened to be wearing these, you know these these terrible aviators, and I was you know that first race I was in a hand me down kit on a borrowed bike and. They uh, and it just kind of played into the whole story of kind of coming out of. The other part of it was that they, they actually, you know, messed up my number, so they didn't know who I was. So they literally <laughs> didn't know who I was at, in the race <laughs> because nobody knew who I was otherwise. <laughs> and and, um, and um, did you come yeah. through on the run? I mean, I don't have the splits in front of me, but obviously, yeah. I'd imagine you would have just come through on the run, been a bit down after the the swim and the bike. Exactly. Yeah, I think I started the run in about eleventh place. And, uh, you know, about 10 minutes off the lead, uh, but the, the lead was, uh, Bjorn, um, Bjorn Anderson. Yeah. Bjorn Anderson. Uh, so you know, he had just ridden off the front of everybody, but I was about five or six minutes off the group of guys and then just ran into it and passed, uh, I think I passed Clayton Fattel, I think was who it was right with about a mile to go. Nice. And, uh, yeah. And so, Yeah. Yeah. So, so, in terms of um, you know this this article you wrote on on um, on Triathlete Magazine, you know um, things yeah. to know when you're going to turn pro, you know how much money people earn and stuff is always a bit of a, a taboo, you know, um, topic, and yeah. some people like to talk about it, some don't. But what was your sort of uh, motivation to actually stump up and do this? Well, I think it I think it was it was like I get questions. You know, as a as a writer for Triathlete Magazine, I guess, and then just as a pro triathlete who shares a lot of the story of being a pro triathlete, I get tons of questions about being a pro triathlete, basically. And I always have people that want advice or people that want to turn pro and want to know what they should do and, you know, and what it's like. And I just felt like I should be really honest, you know, <laughs> to, to be honest. And, and that was how that was the genesis for the article was like, Hey, just me thinking with a lot of these people that I get questions about turning pro, like, Hey, just so you know, this is, this is what you're looking at. It's a very hard, uh, career to make a living in. Right. Mm-hmm. 
And I wanted people to understand that, not in con- not to discourage them, but just so they knew full well what they were going into. And, um, you know, and, and because I didn't know what I was going into, and I was – I was really lucky with that stuff that happened with Wildflower and I think then the other conscious things that I've done, which is like the writing and a lot of the branding stuff and other business stuff to kind of help me make a living in the sport outside of just pure, uh, you know, performance and results. Mm-hmm. Um, and I just felt like I should share that with people, you know, so, and I think also, you know, also in the hope that maybe it would bring some light to, you know, current issues with prize money in, in, uh, you know, races and, uh, you know, help, uh, companies understand what the sponsorship environment is like for professional athletes. And maybe because of that, bring more money into the sport or more support or, or I don't know, you know, but something. So so I guess when I initially read this article, I thought, oh, they're actually making, you guys are making more than I actually thought because if if I look at your prize money, so this is, I'm not sure what season this was, but for Jesse, he was first at Wildflower, first at 70.3 Montrond Blanc, he had a second, a third at a couple of 70.3s, a fifth and a sixth, and then a twelfth at 70.3 World Champs for a grand total of 13,250 in prize money before taxes. And so that's the way that I look at it. You know, you're a, a very successful um, 70.3 half Ironman athlete. But again, you know, normally I would look at, I, I would have, we would have come up with those figures and go, how the hell do you make yeah. a living off that? Exactly. Yet you've, you've sort of said in this article that, you know, you've guesstimated, say there's 100, pe- 100 guys that are competing in Kona and 70.3s and high V. Um, 20 of them making 200 grand or or more um, and that's obviously the top of the top 20 are making 100 to 200 30 are making maybe 50 to 100 and then the other 30 have to do some other supplementary incomes so obviously those numbers um, you know you're clearly getting um, money you know you know you're at least tripling if not quadrupling your money from sponsors so, so how do how do pros sort of make that work with your sponsors is it bonus base do you get a retainer how does it usually work yeah it's uh it's it's pretty simple usually when you start um i guess like sponsorships come in three tiers i would say my this is my experience the tier bottom tier is product only Hmm. and um a lot of people a lot of guys get that a lot of age groupers get that right um and then the next tier is a uh is a product plus bonuses so, you know, if, if I won or, you know, if, if I won a race, a 70.3, I might get anywhere from one to five grand bonus for winning. Right. Yeah. And then and I might get a I might get a bonus, uh, down to like third place. Right. Mm-hmm. And then, uh, and then the next tier is like a, uh, you know, what they call a base with bonuses. So, you know, you might make anywhere from five grand to 20 grand to, you know, shit, a hundred grand if mm. you're one of the top guys, you know, and in, in with a really, really big contract from, uh, unlikely you'd make that much money from an endemic sponsor from my experience, but maybe, you know, mm-hmm. the top endemic sponsors, but, but the non-endemic sponsors, and that's basically how it works. So, so like I said in that article, what ends up happening is, if you race well, you end up 
making like, let's say you win, let's say you win five grand at wildflower cause you win the race. Well, if you have another good two to three sponsors, uh, top kind of top level sponsors, if you're a well-supported athlete, then you're going to make, you know, triple to quadruple that in, in bonuses mm-hmm. from your sponsors. Right. And that's in that's in that is how you end up making your living because, uh, like I said in there, you end up making, you know, for me, I end up, you know, making anywhere from depending on the year, how well I race, you know, uh, 50 to 80% of my income is from sponsors and, and a, and a big chunk of that is from sponsor bonuses, basically. I race well. What kind of um, what kind of time do you spend in a finding sponsorship and then b maintaining the relationship? You know, that, so that they know they're getting value from the investment they've put in you. I I personally spend a lot of time doing that. Uh, I don't know. I don't know how to quantify it. I think I did an article actually, one of my original articles for Triathlete Magazine, where I actually quantified all my time and I had kind of like a sponsorship dedicated to like sponsorship management uh, time. I can't remember what it is, but it's at least, you know, five hours a week, let's say, uh, you know, and um, of either being on the phone or writing for people or doing, uh, you know, a blog or tweets or GoPro, uh, you know, um, pictures or whatever it is, whatever it is I can, I can to deliver value to my sponsors that is more sustainable and more regular than uh, just a result, right? Yep. And I think that's one of the big reasons why I have sponsors that uh, support me in the way that they do, um, even though I might not you know, have comparatively the same results as some of the other guys on a, on a similar level. And we often sit here and scratch our heads and wonder how the guys who you know you know the type of guys that they're always good for a sort of a, a fourth, fifth, or sixth, either at yeah, an Ironman yeah. or a seventy point three. You're like, how the hell do those guys survive? Yeah, it's they, honestly they. My experience, you know, and and like I said, this is one person. I mean, I, I have I have open conversations about income and you know uh sponsors with a couple of my best friends in the sport right like uh, uh matt lieto jordan rap uh ben hoffman and i have shared a bunch of stuff together and that and that's really that's been really valuable for us because otherwise it's a pretty closed door it's very hard to know what other guys are making and what you can make and if you're I think what ends up happening is I think a lot of triathletes undercut each other mm-hmm. in negotiation, right? Because mm-hmm. they just don't know what is out there and they're desperate to a certain extent and willing to take a crap deal from, mm-hmm. uh, from sponsors and then ultimately probably hurt the rest of the sport. Mm-hmm. But anyway, so I think those, those fourth, fifth, six guys, I mean, honestly, it's a tough life. I would, my guess would be that a lot of them make some money through triathlons, some money through sponsorships and some money, um, in, in prize, uh, purses, but they're probably supplementing, uh, you know, some of the European or guys in other countries get, um, you know, support from their national federations. Or they're in the army and stuff like that. Yeah, exactly. Something like that. Yeah, exactly. With with regards to, you know, the lifestyle, you know, you talk a little bit about this in the article that, you know, you get a bit bored. It's it's not all the kind of, all that it's kind of put out to be to the everyday person. You know, what are some of the tricks behind the scenes, not just even financially, just as in how to kind of stay a a grounded person when you're doing kind of the sport? 
That's a good question. Um, you know, I can't speak for everybody. I, um, but for me, I, you know, I have a business, so I, I run picky bars, uh, which is a, you know, an energy bar company, a gluten and dairy free energy bar company that my wife and I started, uh, about four years ago. And so for me, that is my primary outlet, kind of the yin to the yang or, you know, the, the balance away from training and racing, uh, that I need, uh, personally to, to kind of, uh, you know, have something else when I'm having a crap, you know, training day or I feel really tired or, you know, whatever, my workout didn't go the way that I wanted to, or my race, I have something that I kind of bury myself into. So I don't spend the whole day kind of thinking about that and, you know, getting real depressed and then vice versa when, you know, picky bars going to crap <laughs> and they've got some, you know, crazy thing happening in the office. That's just that's super stressful. I, you know, I can get out for a three hour ride and, and decompress, you know? So, um, there's a, there's a balance there, at least for me, that's really important. You know, not every athlete is like that though. A lot of, a lot of guys that I know want to be singularly focused and that's it, you know, but I, that just doesn't work for me. And, and I think it's also different for the sort of institutional athlete who has been an athlete their whole life. I'm sure you'd have a different outlook if you'd gone from college to um, and you'd done your athletics there and then you'd gone straight into triathlon. You would not have known about the other world in terms of working and time management and stuff. And I think those athletes tend to find the transition from, um, say, college to, to, to being a pro easier, but the ones that have had other things occupying their lives like work, um, I think that's when they, they find that, that change to being a full-time athlete pretty challenging. Yeah, totally. Just, and, you know, there. I mean, my, my coach, you know, there are times when I should be more of a full-time athlete than I am and, <laughs> yeah. and because that's, that is my income course, you know, and, uh, and it's just it's a, nest, it's a balance that I have to walk, you know, every, every day. So um, in terms of your aspirations, you know, as we've said, you've had some, some great results. You know, you won Wildflower as a prestigious race. You won other 70.3s, but you've got other things going on. So, and, and obviously you said you sort of started when you're, you're, you're more about your, your, in your 30s rather than the guys mm-hmm. who are early 20s. So, you know, what's your sort of outlook for the next few years in terms of where you want to get to and where you think you can get to? Yeah, I think um – in the short term, it's the 70.3 world championships, you know, that <clears throat> I think, uh, you know, I, I, um, my progression as a triathlete, uh, got slowed down significantly when I broke my foot in 2013 and I was kind of on this <clears throat> great path. I, I got second in a sprint to Andy Potts at Oceanside and, and then, you know, ran away from a couple guys at Wildflower and then broke my foot and missed about 15 months, honestly, between two surgeries. <clears throat> Managed to get myself back, uh, <clears throat> excuse me, qualified uh, last year by racing four half Ironmans in five weeks and then went to Worlds pretty burnt out and, you know, still managed, I guess, a semi-respectable 12th. But, um, but I think that... Uh, you know, I think that that's still a race that I could be real, real competitive, and I, I see myself being a top five there, which would be, which would be, you know, as good or better than any American has done in a while. And um, 
And so, I, yeah, so I see that uh, for this year. And then I'll definitely take a crack at Ironman at some point um, and see how it goes. I, you know, maybe Kona, I, I want to try an Ironman and see how it goes, basically, you yeah. know, and uh, and no promises on anything, you know. I just wrote an article, uh, again, for, you know, the kind of man infatuation in our sport, as you guys mentioned right at the beginning of the show, right, yeah. or right at the beginning of our interview. Um, and I feel sucked into that because when you say you're a professional triathlete, the first question you get is, have you done the Ironman? And mm-hmm. um, it kind of belittles anything that I've done as a, as a professional triathlete. And so part of me wants to go do that to – just in some ways, just so I can answer that question. But then part of it is like, you know, part of it is like, you know what, uh, there's a great living. There's a great, there's a great competitive environment out here and half Ironman stuff. And you can race more than twice as much. Mm. Uh, you know, you can, uh, you know, you don't have to dedicate your whole year to one or two races. And, Mm. um, you know, it's a, it's a tough, it's a tough balance to walk with all that stuff. Hey, um, we want to make sure you get some good plugs in here, and I'm, I'm yeah. keen to hear about your, your picky bars because um, my son's gluten-free and dairy-free. Yeah. Um, so maybe tell us a bit about those, and um, and obviously for the guys in the U.S. where they can get them and uh, if you do sell offshore. Yeah, thank you. Um, yeah, so the, the quick story was when I started training for triathlon, um, I was having all kinds of stomach issues. My wife, who's a professional distance runner and a human uh, biology major from Stanford, and her best friend, Steph, started making bars in our kitchen. And um, they tasted really good. I ate a ton of them. Uh, uh, we started selling them. They were, they were kind of our, our kind of branding and our kind of positioning is the best of like an all natural bar, which is gluten, dairy free, um, uh, all natural ingredients, you know, real food and a, and then balanced with the performance bar with a four to one carb to protein ratio, easily digestible, uh, sugars and, and proteins. And so, uh, you kind of take the best of those, of those two worlds and mix them together. And that's what a picky bar is. And, um, yeah, and they, they also, I will say unequivocally, uh, they taste very, very good. So I know everybody has this kind of thing with like gluten free bars, natural energy bars, like they taste like dirt, but ours actually, I think that's the most, uh, impressive thing that we get and feedback from our customers is the taste. So, so try them out. Yeah. You can get them online and we don't sell internationally yet. We've talked, uh, you know, I've talked with a bunch of guys that want to bring it, uh, distributed internationally. Um, and we're in the mid, you know, we're in the process of looking into that, but for all those international guys, you can buy off of our website and have it shipped. It's going to be expensive, but that's the only way to get the bar right now. Um, and then if you're in the U S uh, they're sold, uh, we do a ton of business online. We have a subscription service that is super unique to our business where you can sign up for, uh, 30, 40 or 50 bucks a month and get bars delivered to your door uh, get T-shirts and all kinds of other cool stuff with it, which is a, kind of like our the hallmark of our, our business. But then you can also get them at a number of different retailers. Uh, I think we're at, up at about 200, 250 retailers around the country. Uh, check our website for that. REI is our biggest uh, national retailer. So if you've got an REI around you, you can find them there as well. And what's the what's the Picky Bars website? Is it PickyBars.com? Or? Yeah, it is. It it's is. Picky Bars. Yep, PickyBars.com. Yep. 
Cool. And yeah. Um, yeah, one other question I've got for you is, is um, you obviously, you know, you've got a, a master's in, I think you said mechanical engineering and you just said some fancy title about your wife there. Um, do you guys, you know, you obviously spent years and years studying and I know you're now, you know, using a, you know, all your marketing and your sales skills and what have you to, to run your own business. But do you ever, both of you, sort of wonder what it would have been like if you'd uh, sort of travelled down the, the regular trajectory and still be mechanical engineering and doing something in biology? Yeah, totally. I'd probably be a millionaire like most <laughs> from Stanford right now. Yeah, nice. <laughs> Honest, I mean, I mean, no, I mean, not to say that I would be a millionaire, but honestly, it's cr- the the instant reaction I had to that question was Lauren and I just went down to her ten year anniversary right at Stanford. Yeah. Uh, and, um, uh, and we walked away from that and we just looked at each other and we were like, Jesus, 60% of our friends are millionaires right now. <laughs> I mean, it's absolutely nuts, you know, cause all those guys, they were in there like either for the beginning of kind of the Google, yep. uh, Apple wave, or they caught the Facebook, Twitter, Pinterest, you know, stuff like that down there. And it's absolutely nuts. So so yeah, I am making remarkably less money than I, than, I would, than I probably would have otherwise. But I'll tell you what, man, um, I bet I'm a lot happier than a lot yeah, of those guys. Yeah, for sure. And that's and that's the thing. Like I go down there, and it's such a rat race, you know. Like I was, I was in there for. I mean, I was doing that stuff for four or five years, and those guys have a lot of money, but I don't think they're any happier, you know. Yeah. So it's you got to find the the best balance of those of those things, you know. Sounds like you made some wise choices. Yeah. yeah. So, in terms of any other things you you, you want to get out there, um, you know, uh, any sponsor stuff or what you've got planned for you know the front half of the season or, or anything else you want to get out there? Yeah. Uh, I mean, real quick on the on the sponsor front, you know, um, I signed a new bike deal uh, this year, and I joined up with TJ Tollickson, uh, who who founded his own bike company, uh, Diamond Bikes. Oh, is that him? And, is it? I mean, I see yeah. they're going pretty hardcore. They've got, um, I think it was a Mikey. Uh, yeah, they've got Mike Mikey Twelson. Yeah. Wrote it really well, and and they also signed Jordan Rapp. So. Yeah. So TJ Jordan and I are all uh, mechanical engineers, respectively, and um, and TJ's done a remarkable job uh, designing and developing this bike. And I went out and uh, visited his, you know, on my own dime, visited his facility, met all of his employees, and it's just an awesome startup in Des Moines, Iowa, that's making like super premium, uh, you know, handmade. Uh, bikes out there and the design as you've seen it's a beam style yeah. bike it's, old school. Uh, it's very it's very cool looking it's very uh I, i'll just say to everybody it's it's very stiff it doesn't have any of the bounce that the old ones had like back in the day when they, when they mm-hmm. had you know it, it feels like a normal bike and, and i just wanted to say i guess i'm just really excited to partner with that company because tj they kind of struck a chord in my heart out there with the startup vibe and just all these guys kind of working together to, you know, design and develop cool things out of this little warehouse in Des Moines. So definitely check the check out those guys uh, if you can. Well, one question around that is, um, you know, the, 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 the beam bikes, you know, were made famous by Jürgen Zach and, say, Greg Welsh. It must have been, you know, I guess that was probably the early mid-90s. Um, mm-hmm. Did, was it just a marketing thing why they why they fizzled out and 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 why what's T, TJ's always had these you know amazing positions and you've always seen him with gimmicky sort of products what's his rationale for going for the beam bike over you know your standard sort of TT you know triangle bike 
Yeah, I mean, I think the basic rationale is that it's faster, mm. you know, and and it's just, I mean, aerodynamically, that bike as it is right now is as fast or faster than any bike on the market, and it doesn't, and and they're still they're still refining the, you know, it doesn't have the fully integrated front end that all the super bikes do, right? Mm. So as they refine those features, it's just going to be, it's, you know, it's going to be clearly the clearly the fastest bike on the market. And so I think that that's the main, you know, that's the main reason is just just flat out speed, you know. Were you worried the first time you got on it thinking, is this thing a snap in half? I t- honestly, I totally was. I mean, I was, I was, I didn't know what to expect. I expected it to feel gushy and to to feel, you know, like because you kind of hear the thing about being bike being like, oh yeah, well they were really bouncy and yeah. that's why nobody liked them. And I got on it and it was super stiff and really light and I just felt like amazing. It felt like a like a full, you know, like a like a stiff tri bike nice. and uh, and then also very fast. And so you know, I kind of fell in love with it right right off the bat and was was very surprised to be honest. So that that's the one thing I would challenge anybody that's kind of looking at this thing with their own preconceptions about what it is, is just get on the bike for like five minutes and and then and then make your judgments after that, you know? Nice. Good times. Yeah. Uh any other ones you wanna you wanna talk about? Uh no, I mean I just think uh, you know, obviously I'd I'd be amiss not to thank my other sponsors, Pearl Izumi, who's been with me for a long time and and Roka Sports also who's who's uh um you know, creating, uh, was another startup that I joined, uh, Rob and Kurt out of Stanford, two awesome guys that basically said, Hey, we want to make a wetsuit for you. And as like a second, third pack swimmer, you don't get too many guys that call you up and want to make a wetsuit for you, you know? And, uh, those guys are great guys too. So definitely check them out as well. Uh, otherwise, no, I don't have, um, you know, I don't have any, uh, any massive plans it's going to be pretty similar i'm heading into oceanside uh to start off the season and then i'll go back to wildflower again for sure i I love that race and i love supporting uh the non uh you know wtc races just to try to keep it mixed up out there Mm -hmm. and um and then uh and then we'll go you know on the crash course to 70.3 worlds see what happens awesome and if people want to follow you you're a twitter or your website or facebook what's your what's your deal yeah, Jesse M. Thomas. Uh, Jesse M. Thomas is my Twitter, and my website is leapdaysports.com. Um, that's I was born on Leap Day, so that's kind of the reason <laughs> behind that. Uh, so I'm t- I'm technically six and a half years old right now. <laughs> and you ain't that way too. Yeah. yeah, yeah, exactly. Or no, wait, am I older? I don't. I I lost track. I don't remember how old. <laughs> Eight and a half. <laughs> I can't remember. But anyway, sort of that, Mike. Uh, Not yeah. your age. <laughs> yeah, yeah, right. I know. Uh, it's tough dividing for. I lost all my math skills a long time ago. So um, awesome. But anyway, yeah. Thanks a lot for having me, you guys. I really appreciate it. Yeah, no, no it's been great, and yeah. we enjoy your yeah. articles on uh, Triathlete yeah, Magazine. Thank you. And um, I'm gonna pick up a picky bar when I'm over in Kona uh, later on this year. So thanks for your great. time, Jesse. And um, we'll catch up when you win that first seventy point three title. Yeah, sounds good. Thanks, okay. guys. Thanks, mate. Awesome. Bye. Jumbo, your thoughts. Oh, it's great stuff. We love yeah. talking money, and yeah. um, and as I said, you know, I've been pleasantly surprised talking to to Jesse and to, to Tim Reed as well. Um, the, 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 those guys are the really good seventy point three athletes. Are actually making, you know, they're not making millions, but you know, you can survive okay if you if you're smart about it, and if you if you really spank out some good results, they're doing okay. Well, that's what we want. Like we mm. want we want our athletes to make, 
you know, a good living from the sport. You know, we know it's not golf. We know it's not a big American sport. But we want our athletes, you know, if you make that choice for not to be one where you come out the other side where your life's scarred because you made a choice, you know, that, you know, in a, in a sport that was really kind of poor performing when it came to the money. So it's nice to, you know, think that as a young person you could kind of chase this sport and come to the other side of it and have maybe something in your pocket still. So what, what we need is we need some more sports managers in the sport because as, as Jesse pointed out, you know, um, a lot of people are undercutting each other or not knowing what their, their value really is. Yeah. And uh, I certainly heard about this in Kona from from top, top pros, you know, saying other top, top pros had really cut their lunch by going in and getting significantly less than what they should have and it makes the rest of them look like idiots mm. um, and makes it really, really hard for them to pick up the, the big money when they when they do well. So um, I think there's a real opportunity there for some ex-pros who know people within the industry who have got a, a good clue about how marketing works. Um, it's a real good opportunity. And I know when we, I was speaking to Jodie Swallow, interviewed her in Kona, you know, she was saying something similar when she it was, it was a real challenge. It might have been her. It might have been James Kanama saying you know, it was a real challenge to find a manager. And it's a bit like getting a bloody, a real, you know, somebody to manage your properties. You know, you're always going to lose a, a cut by paying them, but they're probably going to get you a hell of a lot more than what you would have got by trying to work it out yourself. So yeah. I think it's a good opportunity there. Okay. Um, Jumbo sponsor. Extreme Endurance had a nice email through um, around the immune boost. I can't remember who sent this, this in, but said, just want to, to give you guys a thanks and a plug for Extreme Endurance Immune Boost. I started taking it in November after a cold, just survived two weeks of the flu going through my kids and then my wife. I was the only one who didn't get it. Thanks for the recommendation. Well, I'm going to put up their name because they've taken the time, Jombo. They've taken the time out of their busy life. Mm-hmm. To go, I'm going to email the show because this product's so good. And good old Matt, the President Reagan, which is oh. a great nickname. <laughs> yeah. yeah. That's a sensational. He's the one who sent that email through. Okay. So, yeah, there you go, guys. Immune boost. Um, you know, we often talk about the extreme endurance, helping you get that performance boost, helping you to get less sore muscles. But if you want to have consistent training, you know, you've got to be healthy and injury free. And, uh, injury, you know, there's lots of things you can do to reduce the injuries. But if you want to make sure that you stay nice and healthy, you know, having a good diet is obviously number one. But doing everything you can around that to, to make sure you stay healthy is, uh, is vital. And extreme endurance, immune boost is one of those ways you can do it. So, you guys that are suffering through winter whilst you be on your trainer road workout uh, cranking through your in- indoor sessions when you get outside or you got the snivelling kids around or snivelling people at work then uh, you need to stay on top of things so check out Immune Boost Okay John, but we're not going to do questions and answers this week just because we're, uh, we're running low on time but just one thing that uh, Joe the, the stalker sent through um, just about Tim Pickering we were talking about him last week on the show and just saying how he's um to take in, you know, in a healthy place. Well, it turns out by the end of the week, he took a turn for the worse, uh, got pneumonia and has uh, no immune system, so he's, he's kind of not in a very good place. So what team Macker, that MacaRex.com have done is they put a raffle on where I think you can win a Roka tricep. You pay, pay, pay five bucks, and basically uh, what happens with that is you go on the draw to win a, a, Roka, wedsuit, uh, a Roka sort of speed suit or something like that. Yep. But the main thing is is all that money will go to flying Tim over to Tanya Pora when he's all fixed up and good 
good and he'll be able to do a camp with Maka. So Maka's basically said, if we can get him over to Tanyapura, I'll look after him and uh, and basically all the accommodation and stuff will be taken care of thanks to t- the good guys at Tanyapura. Um, but this raffle basically just fundraised for his airfare. So it's pretty on- cool, you know, like if you go on the site, and I'll put a link to this on www.iamtalk.me, but, you know, it's got pictures of Tim and he's doing the 120k bike ride for kids, you know, so he's a guy who's <laughs> always given back in his life and, Jeez, guys, it's one of these times where we can support someone who needs it right now. So I'll put a link to that on www.iamtalk.me. Just five bucks, you can win a Roka speed suit and, uh, you know, help, help support Tim out in this pretty tough time. So again, go to www.iamtalk.me for that. Jombo patrons. Jombo, so if you, if you want to become a patron team, you go to our website right now. And one of the cool things about coming to the patrons is we've got our patrons page. And I have to say, our listeners are good looking people, Jombo. They are, and I've been chastised by Bevan on on, on my on my uh, punctuation. I'm right, but sure, aren't I? I've got to make sure when I put the nicknames on there, they've got a capital, capital of both you know, both letters, capitals, capitals, and also I'm going to stop chopping people's heads off. So yes, there's, um, there's a few people with chopped off heads in there, and uh, from now on I'm going to be doing square pictures so I don't chop off anybody's Cause heads. Because I did do, I did my job. You gave me a list to do, mm-hmm. I did it, yeah, and mm-hmm. I even fixed up your errors from the past. Yes, true. my life. You know, it's true. <laughs> my life. Um, so guys if you want to be a patron go to our website go to www.iamtalk.me and there's a click that says become a patron click on that and we've got the different levels and you get different buy-in for those levels and uh, this week we're going to give a few nicknames Jombo one of them I think we may have a nickname for so I'm going to ask him if we've given a nickname in the past and if not I'll give him a nickname next week okay so we've got Colin the convict Biakowski okay Uh, he's he's a big time lover of the show he's been a long time lover of the show jeremy ryan i thought jack ryan you know jack ryan so special agent ryan nice yes simon how how to say his last name uh simon i'd I'd say it's pace p-a-i-c-e yeah it is isn't it yeah Uh, i could go the setter as in the pace setter (laughs) nice yeah there we go yes Nice. Um, and, and Tim Heming, I'm pretty sure we've given him a nickname in the past. I know, so, he wasn't on my list. So, yeah, but so I, Tim, thank you first of all for becoming a patron, and you're a big contributor to the show, so we really love your work. But more importantly, if we haven't given you a nickname, let me know because we'll give you one. But if you have, can you let us know what it is? Because I'm pretty sure we've given, surely it has to do something with tennis. Surely, oh, exactly. Surely. I know, yeah. <laughs> surely. Exactly. And then finally, uh, Soren. Mr. Tasty Vrist. Nice. I think Why's someone it? was from Denmark. And his picture that he sent through, he's sort of getting, about to get into the swim. He's got his wetsuit all on, and he must be about to put his swim cap on. He's got his goggles in his mouth, and he looks like he's just eating, he's gonna up. Keep eating up his goggles. So he's Mr. Tasty. <laughs> Mr. Tasty. Okay, guys, so once again, if you want to become a patron of the show, we've got the different levels. It really makes a difference to the show. You get, you know, you get your chance to win to Kona with us next year and all those types of things. So check it out, me. And for those who have become a patron, we really can't thank you enough. It really is helping us uh, sustain the show and uh, helping us move towards creating better content for you guys. Anyway, uh, John quickly sponsors. Trainerroad.com. Get a part of the team. Athlinks.com. Lock it in, lock in your results so they don't get forgotten. And extreme endurance. And if the president says so, it must be true. Okay, John, by what's your goss? Looking at the weather forecast right now, Bevan, today's forecast, 23 degrees centigrade, sunny and northeastly breeze. So pretty happy about that. Good conditions for racing. 
loving the summer, John. Mm. Well, the, prob- the summer has caused problems because we had to cancel the, the swim algae, yeah. <laughs> because the bloody lake's got algae in it because it's been we've got a drought. There's been, the lake's really hot and it's basically meant because of the drought, this aquifer-fed lake has got uh, – it's just not getting water flowing through it, so it's just turned to custard. So gutted, gutted. What else you got? What other gosh you got? What other goss? What's Anniversary you? today. That's oh, big day. Oh, get up. Nine years. Nine years. I just met you before you got married. So we've yes. known each other for about, because I remember we just started training together, and I think your wedding was like, like I think. Well, no, met- 205, we must have got together, because that was the year we did Taupo, wasn't it? 205? Yeah. yeah, and I went off to Kona. I, don't, I think you won your age group, and I yeah. went off to Kona. Yeah. And uh, so we got married the next summer. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Mm. The marriage, nine mm. years. Mm. Got past the itch. You did get past the itch quite well, didn't you? Mm-hmm. What mm-hmm. kind of cream did you use? I was, I was doing some commentary, <laughs> and, uh, and I was doing the commentary at the coast to coast, and Steve Gurney was there, and uh, yeah. he's a nice guy, and um, and he gave me some Gurney goo, so maybe that's what you oh, use. Yeah. Yeah. Full body, yep. full body, <laughs> full body. Gurney. I once did that, a full body cover of Vaseline. What? Why? When we were kids. We were swimming in this outdoor pool. Our swimming pool was when I was a swimmer kid was closed for maintenance for a few weeks, and we had to swim in Centennial Pool, which no longer exists. It got yeah. smashed down in the earthquakes. Um, but we had to swim outdoors there, and it was like it wasn't winter, but it was like absolutely freezing. So one day I tried the old full body cover and Vaseline, didn't work, <laughs> and it's awfully <laughs> difficult to get off. <laughs> How old were you? Oh, I would have been twelve, thirteen, I suppose. <laughs> because. Yeah. Full body vest. Loving it. That's almost a discussion of the week. What what stupid strategy have you used in life which seemed like a good idea until yes. you did it? <laughs> yes. Okay. Well, you remember that for next week. I've done, I've done a couple of other things as well. I can, I can bring a couple of things to the table. That <laughs> okay, one. that's a good time. <laughs> right, oh, right, that's that it's, it's sensational. What was, how did you word that? You worded that quite nicely. Um, well, Stupid things you've done to, to, to try, try to get faster. advantage. Turns out weren't good once you tried them. Yeah. <laughs> oh. nice. Bevan, what's happening in your world? Um, I did the coast to coast work. That was all good fun. So in the power cookie girl there. Um, it's a different. It's a, it's a different kind of race to coast to coast. It, it's because um, it is point to point, and it was really really hard to, to to keep an atmosphere going from point to point. Yeah, well, well, also just the kayak, you know, like, and it, it was pretty cold, like, as much as it wasn't mm. freezing, freezing, it did get pretty cold in the water, and, and you got this, you see people coming out of the water, and they are freezing, man, they mm. are like, you know, and, and it was one of those days where the wind factor was cold, and so to get on the bike, it would have taken them a good 20, 30 minutes just to get warm, you know, like, it was mm. good it was a cold day on Saturday. Do you know what I'm loving in my life right now, John? Cricket World Cup. Oh, the Cricket World Cup! <laughs> Yeah, to our it. Sri Lankan listeners, oh. uh, good game the other day. You did have me worried there for a while, but then we just crushed you. Well, probably more importantly, what about the Irish? Oh, our yeah. Irish listeners, you put the West Indies yesterday. I know. I even, I'm even watching all the games. Like yesterday, I had it on the background. I was watching a bit of the West Indies game. Yeah. Oh, man, I'm loving this. You've got Sky now. No, a friend online? of mine, John. A friend of mine. <laughs> just a friend of yours, yeah. <laughs> what Sky have is they have, you can watch it online, but you can only use two devices. Yeah. So they limit it to the devices you can use. Well, a friend of mine does only uses one on his phone, so yeah. he gave me his password. So I've got I have actually got Sky now, oh, nice. but but I don't actually watch it. But he's, and he's good because he's got every channel you can get. But oh, I only yeah. watch it occasionally with sports. So I watch an All Black game, and yeah. I did watch um, the, some of the cricket the other day, and uh, I'm loving it. So for those who don't know much about cricket, and particularly New Zealand cricket, New Zealand we've always been a bit crap. 
we've had these moments in New Zealand's history. So in the early 80s, we had a guy called Richard Hadley who was probably one of the best, well, was one of the best bowlers of all time. And so when he was around, we had a, a pretty strong team. We had a couple of good batsmen as well. And then since that time, we've had a couple of moments where we did it. In the 92 World Cup, we did really well. Um, but we've never, we've always kind of been the team that when the, when the push comes to yeah. shove, we crack. Yeah. But in the last 18 months, we've got this team who, when the push comes to shove, they pull through and they, and they deliver. So the problem is, Jombo, is at, at, we, we, we think they can win this thing, don't we? I know. It's a bit scary. <laughs> and, and, yeah. and it's like an abusive relationship because every time this has happened to us in the past with the New Zealand <laughs> cricket team, they've, they've crept on us. And, oh, geez, I hope we can do it. It would be amazing if we won it. I know it's highly unlikely because it's such a hard event. But it's come on, the Black of, Caps. There's a lot of luck involved. Yeah, it really is. But so I suppose in some ways it's a bit like the World Cup soccer, you know. It's yeah. not always the best team that gets through. We, we should get through to the last four. We'll definitely get through the last eight, maybe the last four, and then it just comes down to a couple of crunch moments. Yeah. I, um, I went to the South African game last week. Have you been to the mm. ground yet? No, uh, I've been there, but not when a game's been on. Well, it's kind of important. <laughs> oh, I've been into the ground, so I've seen what it's like. It's um, not. It's a, because of the quakes in Christchurch, we lost to our stadiums, and they've created this kind of small cricket cricket oval boutique. boutique. Yeah, cool. but it's it's a really cool place to go watch cricket. I went and watched the game last week, and it was very good. So that's going to be my life for the next six weeks. Each week, we, maybe we should do a cricket World Cup update on oh, the yeah, show. I'm happy to do that. I'm sure our American listeners will love it. So we're playing Scotland today, yep. and then we're playing. England on Friday. You palms. Yeah. Okay, let's Just put it out there. We're going to take you out, palms. We are going to be rubbing it in next yeah. week. And, and, and you can send us emails if you beat us, but you won't be needing to send us emails because we're going to smash you. Yeah. Easy. Yeah. Right, no, let's, John needs to go sort out a race without a swim. I'm Russ. I'm in, don't. Train hard. Train smart. Kia kaha. Love your work. Okay. So, so we've got that interview tomorrow, remember, as well. Uh, yeah. What time is it?